Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Rasa. I'm your host, Grace Papa. I hope you've all had a wonderful week. And I hope you're wrapping warmly. It's slightly cold. Today, we'll be talking about national news on abuse around the United Kingdom. Our first story reel is from Sky News, the 1st of December, 2023. Tech multimillionaire Lawrence Jones jailed for 15 years for rape and sexual assault. Lawrence Jones, a 55-year-old man, was convicted in January of assaulting an employee on a 2013 business trip. Last month, he was found guilty in another trial for drugging and raping two women decades ago when he was a hotel pianist. Jones made millions setting up web provider UK Fast with his wife in 1999. It went on to have hundreds of staff and thousands of clients, including the NHS and the Ministry of Defence. He was also awarded an MBE for services to digital economy in 2015. He now faces at least a decade behind bars. Jones was given 14 years for one of the rapes, a seven-year concurrent term for the second, and a one-year consecutive sentence for the sexual assault. The judge at Manchester Crown Court said, his crimes were characterized by entitlement, dominance, and a total lack of regard for the rights and freedoms of these three women, and in my view, an element of sinister premeditation. Jones was caught after a former UK Fast employee made a series of allegations in 2019, including that he had forced himself on her for sex in 2010. Another woman then revealed he sexually assaulted her in a hotel on a business trip in 2013. The trial had, she later left UK fast with a 13,000 payout. That meant she had to sign a non-disclosure agreement. The judge said Jones would often make inappropriate and sexual comments in the workplace that he dismissed as banter with women subjected to unwanted attention. Two other women separately came forward in 2021 and 2022 to say they were raped in his Stalford flat in the early 90s when he worked as his hotel pianist in Manchester. One said she had been given something to sniff that had an immediate impact. The other described being overly affected by a glass of wine and a few puffs of what she thought was cannabis. They were both left partially conscious, but unable to react, the court heard. Then aged in his 20s, Jones was already developing a proprietorial and misogynistic view of women, said Judge Sarah Justin. All three victims gave personal statements from behind a screen in court. I was sexually assaulted by my boss, someone in a position of power, a father, a husband on a business trip, somewhere where I should have been safe, his most recent victim said. Jones must serve two-thirds of his sentence 
before the possibility of being released on license. What are your thoughts on this particular newsreel? Can you leave your comments via email at risingaboutshadowsofabuse at gmail.com? Thank you. The Garden Newspapers, 5th of December 2023 by Annie Kelly. I was trafficked by drug gangs as a child, shot at and stabbed 11 times. Here is how I escaped. Sosa Hekoma was eight when he ran away from violence at home and just 12 when he was given his first gun. It describes how fatherhood therapy and Sherlock saved him. It is 2008 and eight-year-old Sosa Hekoma is standing alone in the corridor of a council block in South London. He's frozen to the spot, every nerve in his body alert to the sound of the lift grinding its way up the floors towards him. Inside the elevator is his stepmother. He can feel blood running down his neck from a deep cut on his skull made by the pointed heel of her shoe. In just a few moments, Henkoma will be alone with her in his father's flat, and he knows that as soon as the door shuts behind them, a storm of violence will be upon him. He decides to sprint. He sprints away from his stepmother and through the streets of London. Henkoma has no way of knowing that he is running away from one life of violence straight towards another. He will never spend a night in his family home again. Instead, he will shapeshift into a child soldier for violent drug gangs. He will be trafficked up and down the country, shot at, stabbed more than 11 times, and comprehensively failed by every statutory service and safety net that could have protected him. As a very young child, I didn't have my parents. I was looking for a family, Henkoma says. I was looking for protection and safety from people who didn't know how to be parents, who are literally murderers, drug dealers, and robbers. They made a lot of money off me as a kid because I was willing to do anything they asked apart from them. I was totally alone. Every day, Henkoma expected to die. Today, he puts his survival down to many things, becoming a father, therapy, sheer luck. It's also down to him finding purpose and redemption through the work he does now, helping other young people escape or avoid the same life that brutalized and traumatized him as a child. Meeting Henkoma, 25 today, it is hard to square his childhood of violence and criminality with the calm, focused, and friendly young man he has become. By the time Henkoma arrived in the UK from Nigeria with his father and stepmother, he had already had a tough start in life. His mother left when he was only a baby and has been shuttled between his grandparents and a bleak and abusive boarding school. When I got off the plane in the UK, I thought I'll come to Hollywood because I thought all white people were famous, he says. It was like living in heaven. It was like arriving in heaven. I was thinking, wow, I got a mom and a dad and just like a normal kid. At first, things went well. The family lived in Kent 
and Henkoma went to the local primary school. Then after a few months, his stepmother, who had been kind to him in Nigeria, began to be physically and emotionally abusive. Henkoma was bewildered by the shift. I really wanted this woman to be my mom, but my dad was always at work and it was just the two of us together every day, and she hated me, he says. By the time they moved to South London, some months later, the violence had escalated. I was just so scared of her by this point, says Henkoma. The belts she was hitting me with turned into metal poles. I began to detach from reality. I just hid under the duvet in my bedroom for hours every day. He says his stepmother gave him a schooling in violence that proved useful to the gangs that would eventually control his life. I got used to pain at a very young age. When I was with gangs, I wasn't scared of torture or whatever, because for me, it was normal. I learned it from my own family. After he fled from his stepmother, Henkoma was picked up by police and taken into care. His father refused to believe what his wife had done, even when she was charged and convicted of child cruelty for her assaults on Henkoma. She was sentenced to four years in absentia after fleeing the UK because her case was concluded. Henkoma hadn't seen her since. I loved my dad, but I lost my trust that he was going to do anything to protect me, he says. He was placed in foster care with a Nigerian woman in South London. The woman's 18-year-old nephew took a shine to him, buying him trainers and introducing him to his friends. Henkoma didn't know he was a drug dealer. I thought of him as a big brother. So when he went to prison, it was another person who left me, he says. By the time he was 12, Henkoma was allowed to go to the park opposite his house to ride his bike. It was there that he was befriended by local teenagers who asked him to take packages to different addresses. He says he had no idea he was delivering drugs. I'm like, fresh, this little kid from Nigeria. I just wanted them to like me. He now sees what an easy target he was. They knew I was in care and didn't have parents looking out for me. They must have smelt this desperation I had to be loved. His foster carer had no idea what was going on. I just told her I was playing with my friends, he says. He was soon introduced to the older men, paying the kids in the park to sell drugs. They showered him with attention, bought him food, and told him he was like their little brother. Within a few weeks, Henkoma was also doing jobs for them around the neighborhood. Before long, they asked him to come with them outside London. The first time he agreed, he found himself in a drug house in Margate with a shotgun in his face. He'd been driven to a house and left alone to hand out drugs to an addict living there. When men in balaclavas had stomped through the door, they had swords, machetes, shotguns, all of them were carrying weapons, he says. Henkoma found himself in the middle of a tough war between the gang he met in the park and a rival drug operations linked to his foster carer's nephew, he says. 100% I'd been shot right then if the man pointing the gun at him hadn't recognized him from back home. They took him back with them and now he found himself under the protection of the gang 
who had stormed the house in Margate. A few weeks later, aged only 12, he was given his first gun. Even now, more than 10 years later, he remembers the weight of it, how the cold metal burned against the skin. It wasn't that big, but my hands were too small to hold it properly, he says. I didn't know what they wanted me to do with it. That soon became clear as Henkoma sank deeper and deeper into the gang's world of drug dealing and criminality. He was put to work as a mini enforcer, helping transport drugs and firearms from London to Liverpool, Newcastle, Birmingham. I was their little protege, he says. The gang loved having a little kid working for them. It was good for their reputation. It scared people that they had this kid that could do anything they said. As time went on, he was drawn so far into the world that he didn't know how to leave. He tried to tell his social worker that he was being threatened and was involved with gangs, but he says they didn't believe him. It was before anyone knew about child exploitation or county lines, he says. I was only in year seven, so they said I was fantasizing. He lost his foster placement and stopped going to school. He was shuttled around different care placements, but the gang always came and took him back. Social services didn't know what to do with me. Recently, he watched a film about child soldiers and recognized that he went through the same brainwashing and brutalization. By the age of 14, Henkoma had become mentally dissociated from the world in which he was existing, robotically following others and committing acts of violence with no ability to distinguish between right and wrong. I saw so many bad things happen. I did things that I still can't speak about. I look back and think, how did I do that? But it was like I was dead inside. Before long, he was arrested and he and an older gang member were charged with possession of firearms and GBH, grievous bodily harm. He was told by the gang elders to go on the run and says he was then betrayed after the older gang member pinned the crimes on him in court. When police found him, he was convicted of possession of a firearm and sent to a young offenders institution. When he got out four months later, Henkoma was bent on revenge. His life between the ages of 15 and 19 was pure chaos. He waged war on his former gang family. He was stabbed multiple times, escaping death by an inch time after time, and saw people around him die. He remembers these years in jacked, disjointed flashbacks. Everything he once was had been obliterated. I had the street name, the devil that walks on earth. I didn't care about anything. I had nothing to live for. I just wanted to die for it all to be over. What brought himself back from the brink was the birth of his daughter when he was 18. After my daughter was born, something happened. I held her in the hospital and I thought I've got to go right. Extracting himself from the grip of gang life didn't happen quickly, but he says from that moment, something shifted. Becoming a father gave me a reason to try to save myself. A year after his daughter was born, he was sent to an adult prison for possession of a firearm and served almost three years, during which time his younger daughter was born. 
He says that in many ways, prison was a blessing. Because of his fearsome reputation, he was left alone. I became calm, quiet, back to being who I really was. I was a model prisoner. I learned how the system worked. I did all the courses I could do. In prison, he was told that he had been served deportation orders by the Home Office, which wanted to send him back to Nigeria. He got access to a solicitor who, when he heard his story, immediately asked if he could speak to a psychiatrist. I told the psychiatrist what had happened to me, and then my solicitor told me that I had been groomed and that I was a victim of child exploitation. Henkoma was shocked to be told he had been a victim as well as a perpetrator. I thought, well, if that's true, this whole prison block is too. Most people there have the same story as me. He says his solicitor was the first person for years who didn't just see him as dangerous and violent. She said, you were just a little kid. How did you get here? After he came out of prison in February 2020, Henkoma was identified as a victim of child trafficking and exploitation, and the government canceled the removal orders. He was given leave to remain until August 2024 and will have to reapply for the right to stay in the UK early next year, something that hangs over him every day. Henkoma describes the years he left prison as a rebirth. He has been in intensive PTSD, that is, post-traumatic stress disorder, and trauma therapy through a charity called Dignify. Without them, he says, he would not have been here today. In his first session, his therapist apologized for his being failed so badly by the system. It was like this weight suddenly lifted because before I just thought it was all my fault. And yet in many ways, recovery had been harder than the life he lived on the streets. When violence has been your normality, it's hard not to resort back to violence, he says. The only emotion I used to be able to deal with was anger. Now, I have to do sadness. I have to do grief, shame, a whole lot of guilt for what I've done. I'm trying to put it right. He's now studying for a degree in criminology and sociology, alongside working with the anti-trafficking charity, Cosway trying to increase the participation of young people like him with real experiences of gang violence into policy and prevention programs. He still travels up and down the country, but now trains the NHS, police and social workers on how to work with victims and young people at risk from child criminal exploitation. He mentors young people at risk from gang violence and has also started his own community interest company called One Huna, working with disadvantaged kids to try to give them educational and work opportunities. This year, he was named Crime Fighter of the Year at the True Crime Awards and took his award back to his old neighborhood. I wanted to say, if I can do this, think what you lot can do. Most of the kids I work with have been through a lot of trauma. I want to help them believe there is a world in which they can be whatever they want to be, Hankoma says. Kids who think they can't get out of a situation of violence they find themselves in, who are falling through the cracks. I want to say, this is not the end. Look at me, I survived, I'm thriving, and so can you. What are your thoughts about this traumatic experience Henkoma had? Leave your views and your comments on 
rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. Thank you. If you feel this has affected you in a negative way, see a therapist. Thank you. Mirror News, 28th of November, 2023, by Benedict Teslaf Diaz. A teacher who abducted a 15-year-old schoolgirl and fled to France, fired from his new job. Jeremy, a teacher who was jailed after he abducted a 15-year-old girl and took her to France, has been fired from a bakery in Kent after his past was discovered by his employers. Jeremy Forrest, who was 31 at the time of the offences, was jailed for five and a half years in June 2013 for child abduction and five charges of sexual activities with a child. He had taken the teenager to Bordeaux in September 2012 after fearing his sexual relationship with her was about to be exposed. Since leaving prison, he had begun a new life as an artisan baker in Bishopsbourne, Kent. But this appears to have come crashing down after his old identity was uncovered by his bosses. In a statement on social media, Gilda Bakery wrote, since learning of the sensitive nature of this employee's history, is mutually agreed that it was in the best interest of Gilda that his employment was terminated with immediate effect. A buyer on the bakery's website listed his title as head baker and described his extraordinary passion for sourdough, hard work, and commitment, reported the son. Though this has since been removed, he never stops learning about the process, care, and attention that goes into making the perfect loaf. The bow added, the convicted sex offender is said to have taken the name Jeremy Bruno Core since reinventing himself and has performed as a frontman for a local rock band. Forrest, who is originally from Inverial in Aberdeenshire, made headlines for his shocking escape from the UK after he exchanged romantic messages with a 15-year-old girl on social media before having sex with her. Originally from Inverial, Verulia in Aberdeenshire, his trial at Louis Crown Court in 2013 heard that he took the girl for an overnight stay at the house he shared with his then wife, Emily. After the affair was discovered, the pair fled to France, sparking an international manhunt. He was only caught when the pair ran out of money in Bordeaux and he tried to seek work in a bag where he was recognized in sentencing remarks at Louis Crown Court as he sentenced Forrest to five and a half years in prison on 21st of June, 2013. Judge Lawson QC told him, your behavior over this period had been motivated by self-interest and that hurt and damaged many people, staff and pupils at the school and respect for teachers everywhere. It has damaged you too, but that was something you were prepared to risk. You now have to pay that price. Following his release, family friends said Forrest, who is banned from teaching for life as a registered sex offender, hopes to start a new career as a life coach or academic author. What do you think about this newsreel? Leave your comments at our email address, rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. Thank you. The Scottish Sun, 23rd of November, 2023.
abusive husband who slit wife's throat after she left him jailed for life. An abusive husband who cut his wife's throat after she left him was jailed for life today for the savage murder of the mother of three who he tried to claim took her own life. The judge ordered that John Lee Sonic, 49, should serve at least 24 years in prison after slaying his spouse and told him, it is perfectly possible you will never be released. Lisa Neck attacked his wife, Michelle, 44, with a knife after the happy and elated woman broke free from him after being subjected to years of controlling and derogatory behavior. Lisa Neck slit her throat before jamming her into an airing cupboard at his home and fleeing to his mother's house in Dundee, where he sparked a siege after arming himself with another knife. Lord Fairley told him at the High Court in Edinburgh, the evidence showed you to be an abusive bully and like other bullies, you are a coward. The judge said it was only a matter of weeks before Lizanek murdered his wife, that she had managed to escape from his coercive behavior and was in the process of starting a new life. He said the killer's attempt to suggest that his spouse took her own life were preposterous. Lord Fairley said he had watched Lizanek throughout the trial and his clear impression was that the only person for whom he expressed any sorrow or remorse was himself. The former soldier denied murdering her at his home on Orchardway Eacher in Petshire and claimed that the victim committed suicide on February 13, 2021. But Lizanek was found guilty of committing the murder following a trial during which jurors were warned that graphic photographs of the terrible injury inflicted on the dead woman were to be shown. He was also convicted of subjecting his victim to abusive behavior between October 2010 and February 2021, during which he threatened her family, made threats to kill any future partner, threatened to harm her two pet dogs, isolated her from family and friends, dictated how she dressed and monitored her calls and messages. He was further found guilty of attempting to defeat the ends of justice on February the 13th and 14th in 2021 by hiding the body of his wife and fleeing to his mother's home in Baolini Street, Dundee, was also convicted of behaving in a threatening or abusive manner at a property on February the 14th in 2021 by barricading himself in and refusing to leave, arming himself with a knife, repeatedly holding the weapon to his neck and threatening to commit suicide. The jury returned unanimously guilty verdicts on all the charges that Lizanek faced. Lord Fairley told Lizanek that the penalty for murder was fixed by law as life imprisonment, but he was required to set a punishment part for the term he must serve before he's eligible to be considered for release by parole authorities. The court heard that Lizanek had told one of his children that he had something big planned for their mother on Valentine's Day, although he did not reveal details before he struck on the eve of the day. After the murder, Lizanek was arrested and remanded in prison before he wrote a letter to his wife's father, William Dewar. In it, he asked for cash and clothes to be sent to him and claimed that his wife must have been so depressed 
and hurting and maintained she was suffering through menopause. But Mr. Dewar told the court he did not believe his daughter was depressed and said, I had never seen her so happy getting this new house and getting away from Mr. Lizonek. He said he's blaming everybody else for what has happened. Prosecutor Shanti Maguire asked him to describe his daughter's mood when she signed papers for her new home, and he repeated, elated. It was the first time I had seen her happy in a long, long time, and everybody said the same thing, that they had never seen her so happy, said Mr. Dewar. In the letter, Lizanek wrote, I couldn't stop Shell, that is Michelle, and she must have been so depressed and hurting. Members of the evil Lizanek's family spoke of their relief at their despicable relative being found guilty of murder and of their hope for closure. Speaking outside the High Court in Edinburgh, Lizanek's daughter, Ebony, who had earlier told jurors about the extremely toxic atmosphere that the killer created at his home, said, I'm glad we finally got justice and can now show what kind of person he actually is. The former fashion student also said the sentence will help her and her family move on from the trauma of having Michelle taken from them. She added, I think it will take time, but at least it's done. We waited three years for this. Right now, it's life-changing for us to get him convicted on all five charges. It's what we wanted. We can actually now progress with our lives and get on with it and enjoy it again. It's 100% relief. We could not be happier. Detective Inspector Gary Lamb said, this has been an incredibly difficult time for Michelle's family and friends who had been deeply affected by her tragic and needless death. They have shown great courage and dignity throughout this ordeal. I would like to thank the public for their help during our inquiries and our partners for their work in supporting both the investigation and Michelle's family. What are your thoughts on this? I feel angry about the needless death Michelle had to go through. What do you think? Leave your comments and views via email rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. Thank you. The Irish News, 23rd of November 2023, by Lauren Pilmore. A woman had told the court she did not feel safe around her dance instructor, who is on trial accused of sexually abusing her and other students due to how he touched her when correcting her movement. The woman, now 31, told jurors that corrections dance teacher Jonathan Button, 41, would make felt inappropriate while she attended a ballet school in Argyll between 2009 and 2011. Another woman, now 26, told the court she did not want to be known as a troublemaker or someone who caused issues if she raised her concerns about Button. Barton is accused of having sex with two students while in a position of trust as a teacher at the school and of sexual offenses involving seven others. It is alleged he sexually assaulted a woman by touching her inner thighs on various occasions between December 1st, 2010 and June 30th, 2015. Barton denies all charges against him. The woman who cannot be named for legal reasons told 
Dumbarton Sheriff Court on Thursday that she joined the school in 2009 after developing a serious interest in ballet at secondary school. She said when teaching ballet, teachers would give either verbal or physical corrections to posture oppositions. Fiscal dispute, Dana Barclay asked the witness if teachers at the school, including Batum, would give students notice when they were going to touch them. The witness said, I was never asked permission to be touched. Ms. Barclay asked the witness how she felt when Batum touched her inner thigh. She said, I felt uncomfortable when he touched my inner thighs. Ms. Barclay asked, can you explain why you felt uncomfortable? The witness responded, I didn't trust him. I felt uncomfortable around him. I didn't feel safe. Defending Button, Gary McAteer asked the woman if she told the police she never felt sexually violated by Button. The woman said, I never felt sexually violated, but I did feel groomed. Barton is further accused of a charge towards a girl who was over 13, but under 16 at the time of the alleged offense, where he handled her buttocks, placed a hand on her knee, touched her close to her privates, and kneeled in front of her, placing his head close to her crouch. Another witness, a 26-year-old woman, told the court her understanding of corrections was something to make you better at dancing and they could be physical, verbal, or both. Ms. Buckley asked the witness if there was anything unusual about the way Barton corrected her during lessons. She said, he will put his hand on my bum. Ms. Buckley asked the witness, how did you feel when the correction was being delivered? The witness answered, uncomfortable. I've never had a teacher correct me in that way before or any way that made me feel uncomfortable. Ms. Barclay asked the witness if she had told Barton it made her uncomfortable, to which she said she did not. Ms. Barclay asked, how many times did this happen? The witness responded, more times than I could count. I couldn't tell you the number. Ms. Barclay asked the witness if other teachers corrected students in the same way as Barton did. The witness said they did not. She told the court, Barton corrected pretty much everyone in exactly the same way. She was then asked if she discussed Batten with anyone else in the class. The witness replied, as your teacher, you just trust that to be what is done. You don't want to cause any issues or become a troublemaker. The reason I would go to dance class is to become better. If you cause issues and don't get corrections, you don't get better. Ms. Buckley said, it is quite hard to look back on it. I don't look back on it in a good light. It was a very difficult time in my life. I wouldn't choose to look back on it. The fending, Mr. McAteer attempted to demonstrate a pile in the courtroom and asked the witness if the position Barton was alleged to be in was possible. The witness said, this is the reason I am coming forward to talk about the corrections. It was unnecessary. The trial before Sheriff William Gallacher continues. What do you think about this newsreel? Can you leave your comments and opinions? Thank you. Metro News, Saturday, 2nd of December, 2023, by Tom Sanders. A Vile County Durham rapist 
who sexually abused child victims has been jailed for 38 years. Naville Jones groomed and subjected four children to horrific sexual abuse and ruined their lives and the lives of their families. The 40-year-old targeted the vulnerable victims and caused immense harm, the court heard. Jones of Pennymore has now been put behind bars for almost 40 years. He appeared at Durham Crown Court on Friday to be sentenced for one count of rape, two counts of assault by penetration, six counts of sexual assault, three counts of indecent assault, and five counts of sexual activity with a child. Remorseless Jones, who appeared at the court via link from HMP Durham, denied the offenses but was found guilty following a trial. He will now be put on the sex offenders register for life and won't face the possibility of parole until 22 years into his sentence. The court was told Jones targeted one of his victims as he knew they would be a good target for sexual abuse and used the child as a sexual object. Val Jones also targeted another victim who he sexually abused and gave them tablets, which made them sleepy, the court heard. Judge James Atkin said all of the victims' lives had been ruined, as had the lives of their families, he said. You ruined children's lives and the lives of their families. You left a trail of utter misery in your wake. You targeted the vulnerable and caused immense harm. Chris Wood, defending, said he was limited in his mitigation as Jones had been found guilty following a trial. He said he has made it clear he intends to make good use of his time in custody. Beyond that, I can't say a great deal more. Jones was given a 38-year extended determinate prison sentence. He was also handed a lifetime sexual harm prevention order. What are your thoughts on this newsreel? Leave your comments using our email address, risingaboutshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. This has been the National Newsreel. Thank you. I'm your host, Grace Opa, Rising Abu Shadows of Abuse, Raza. Take care and see you on our next episode. Bye for now. <laughs>